I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everywhere we go, people want to know who we are and where we come from. So who are you and where'd you come from? My name is Amy Kinsler and I'm from Bowmont. It's mad, like, again, the amount of people... And just to say that we are live now on TikTok, so hello to anyone on TikTok who is watching or will be watching. Um, it's mad, like, it's such a small area, but I really don't know a lot of people, even though I grew up in Kulak. Yeah. I don't, like, I don't know a lot of people. You think I'd know people around, how old are you? I'm 21. I guess so you're like younger than me, you're <laughs> only a baby. What school did you go to? I went to Fiagris, junior school, and then I went to Mercy Bowman's. Oh, did you? Yeah. Do you know Mercy Bowman's now going to be a dash school? What's that mean? So it's like, um, it's not like, it's not like, a, you know, in poor school or anything like that. It's like they pick school in the areas that are not, uh, what's the word? Is it so that they get their meals in and yeah, stuff? Yeah. Yeah, no, um, I actually heard that. Yeah, it's um, going to be brilliant at school. I was raised, I kind of forgot, like that. But you wouldn't have thought that Macy Bowman, like Macy Bowman to me, like would be posh. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Now, when I was younger, I always wanted to go to Maryfield or... What's the one that you don't have to wear a uniform? Oh, yeah. Mount Temple. Mount Temple, That's yeah. where I always wanted to go when I was growing up. I mean, I was like, no, you're going to Poland. That's where your sister and I went. So I was like, right, okay. So Yeah, no, it would have been, but it's not, it's not, it's not like, it's, what's the word Poland to think of? Not, I know what they say, inner city and Kulak, they're what areas? Working class. Working class kind of thing, that kind yeah. of thing. Or under, what's the under? Bloody privileged. So, so, yeah, underprivileged yeah. areas. It would have been a bit of a higher up scale, yeah. would it have been? Yeah, yeah, so Mercy Bowman now, so they're going to get like loads, which is great. Do you know what I mean? Because I was definitely considering Sean Amelia in there. Um, but <laughs> she, she's now she's going to a girls' school. Tell me what it was like growing up in Bowman. Who was in the house and what was going on? Um, so it was me, my mum, dad, my, I'm the baby. So I have two older brothers and an older sister. Okay. What was it like for you? Amazing. I had the best childhood ever. Um, mm. My mum and dad, absolutely amazing. They are the best. Um, and then I was obviously sick when I was younger. So I think I started taking convulsions and stuff when I was baby, baby. But I wasn't actually diagnosed with cystic fibrosis until I was five. So Tell me about what that. What's that like? To be honest, my cystic fibrosis has actually, I've been lucky enough, touch wood. Mm. Um, I know so many people, like a friend of mine was who passed away a couple of years ago from Kulak. Um, with it, I was actually on the the better side of things. I was always quite healthy with it. I was always quite blessed when it came to that. But then obviously sometimes I get a bad chest infection or... It's the breeding, isn't it? Yes, yeah, your lungs. It affects your lungs and your pancreas. Um, but then when I was 16, I got cystic fibrosis-related diabetes. Okay. And that now was very hard. Because my neighbour had it, Liam Gannon. Did you ever hear Liam... Liam? And he died. He died at 21. I think 21, 22. From cystic um, fibrosis? 
<coughs> yeah, about, God, I could be lying now, but I, Jesus, COVID years, I'd say about seven years ago. Was it, it's like, so it is, it is such horrific. And I know Julian Benson does a lot of work with it and he does the balls and everything like that. And he's building a house, I think, uh, for a charity for um, cystic fibrosis. So it is a very yeah. serious thing. Yeah, and it can be. Like, I used to always, I used to go to Lords years ago with the CF Association. Mm. My mum used to come and there'd be loads of people like my age, younger, older, in their 50s, 60s at the time, you know what I mean? And I'd see some of them smoking and all, and I'd be like, ah, oh, there's nothing wrong with them, blah, blah, blah. But then I'd see some of them that were in wheelchairs with oxygen tanks and I was like, that's mad. I obviously don't have that. And it's only since I've gotten older that I'm starting to kind of realise the severity of it kind of. Because mm. I'll grown up and I just didn't care. I wanted to do what everyone else was doing. I didn't care if I had an illness. I was still doing what all my friends were doing. But now that I'm older, I'm like, I was so stupid. Like, And did it, like, so it affect you in what way? Tell me you were having... F- Fits and stuff like when that. When I was younger, yeah, before I was diagnosed, I think they're really called febrile or something. Oh, really? okay. I used to take them all the time. My mum used to have to bring me into the hospital. But then once I got diagnosed then, and they started learning more about it, they were able to control them. But, um, like, I used to have to go on IV antibiotics, and I hate the hospital. So sometimes my mum would have to do it in my home. Yeah, like, but as I say, I was I was relatively healthy with it. Mm. Thank God. I kind of always suffered more so the stomach side of it than the lungs. But then sometimes if I got a really bad infection, my lungs would suffer then. But it's only been the last couple of years that I've really noticed it's taken a toll on me. Yeah. Whereas when I was a teenager in early 20s, it didn't phase me at all. Like, And like today, like, are you on medication or anything like that for I'm on the new cystic fibrosis drug called CAF Trio. Okay. And um, I only started that when I finished my cancer treatment. Yeah. Because I was trying to get pregnant. Yeah. And you couldn't take it while trying to get pregnant. There was something in it. So I was like, no, I'm holding off on it till I get pregnant or till yeah. I have a baby or whatever. But then obviously things change. So. so take it back to me. You're 16. You get a diagnosis of the diabetes as well. What was that like? Um, again, I, I took the piss completely for years. Like, I was still continuing to drink bottles of Coke. And, um, like, when I turned 18, I, I love, like, cider. And I love full, like, I love sugary stuff. Mm. Like, now I wouldn't be a big sweet toothy or love Savoryville, but drinks and fizzy drinks were always my downfall. But I just always thought I'd be grand. Like, it's not going to do anything. Diabetes isn't that bad. But I always had to inject. I've had to inject since day one. Um, and I used to always miss it or I'd be embarrassed by it if I was out with my friends so I just wouldn't take it that went on for a good few years mm-hmm. so as I said it's only probably been the last four or five years that I've copped on and isn't it mad like now in this day and age where we've got Botox fillers all that kind of stuff that we just throw needles into ourselves yeah. and like nobody's business that at that age, I think it's just that there wasn't maybe an education piece, or as you said, you were just scarlet in front of your friends. Yeah, that's what it was. I was embarrassed, or do you know, because I used to hang around with, uh, like a young place as well when mm. I was younger. And like, if we were all out having something to eat in the Chinese or whatever, I'm not going to whip out my needle and start putting it on. So I was just like, oh, I'll leave it. And then I'd suffer them when I got home or the next day or whatever, my blood would be through the roof. Like, did your mom want to kill you? Yeah. Oh my God. I don't know how I'm. Even still alive to this day, my mum had to deal with some amount of shy from me, to be fair. And what was school like? 
I hated school. Did you? Absolutely despised. I was really in. I used to make up any excuse. The night before, I remember even when I was in... Now, I loved primary. Mm-mm. But I remember I used to even sit up the night before and say, right, what will I say is wrong with me? And I used to just make up excuses. And then when I was about... When I was 15, I was like... Just after my junior research, I was like, I can't. I just can't. I was out a lot all the time. And um, it just wasn't for me. I was so unhappy. I hated it. I was one of the, the bold girls as well. Like, I was always in trouble and blah, blah, blah. So... My mum allowed me to leave, but I had to get a job, obviously. So I didn't go back to school. And then when I was 16, I was able to legally say to them, like, I'm not coming back. But I left after my junior series at 15. Were you wild? Yeah. I was off the wall. Were you? Yeah. In what way? I was just... Like, I was doing things I shouldn't have been doing at a certain age. I was in with the wrong crowd. I was... Up to no good, I gave my mum and dad an awful life. And then I think because I was sick, I felt like maybe I didn't know whether I was proving it to myself or trying to prove it to other people. But I was like, I can do what they're all doing. I can drink the way they're drinking or do what they're doing. And like, I'm not going to stop doing it because I've something wrong with me, you know what I mean? Chip on your shoulder. Yeah, so I just kind of went, I just went off the wall. And I wouldn't, my mental health was never great. Mm. Um. So I used to just fly off the handle and if I was told not to do something, it would just make me do it even more. So I was, I was wild. Well, like, your mental health was going to be affected because of the CF, then because of the diabetes, and then you're bringing shame into your life by not wanting to put, like to give yourself life-saving me- medicine at the yeah. same time, and then the drinking and everything else on top of it. Yeah. You were probably just totally like discombobulated. Yeah, I was, and I never gave myself like a minute. You know what I mean? I'd, I'd be out all day and then I'd get up the next morning and be out all day again. I'd never be at home. Or if I went drinking, I'd be out all weekend. And yeah, it was just, I was just a nightmare. Like, and I just, I just should have taken it more seriously than I did. Because I feel like now I'm paying, mm. paying the price for what, for I should have been good back then, you know, that type of way. Don't feel that. <laughs> no, but don't. Yeah. It's very hard. To be like, you know, I wish, it's very hard, but you can't, you can't live like that because if you live like that, you're going to get yourself even in worse situations. Yeah. At what point did you realise, right, I'm fucking killing me man out here, I'm killing myself, like, I need to stop this? I always knew, like, I'd be very self-aware, like, I always know, like, if if I carry on irrationally, um, like, I was diagnosed at an maybe in my, when I was a teenager, um, with borderline personality disorder. So, like, I get, like, real attached to people or real clingy or... I Everyone always likes me to say I get FOMO, but I do, I get, like, severe FOMO about stupid things, like... And, like, I do, I genuinely do try and be like, you don't even... Like, even things that I probably wouldn't want to do, I'm like, I want to go. But, um, so... As I said, I used to fly off the handle. So I used to be very self-aware. Like, I know what I'm doing is hurt my mum and dad. And, like, I'd fall out with my brothers and sisters because they'd be like, will you cop on, man, dad, or suffering, or whatever. And I'd know what they were saying to me. Like, I'd take it all in, but it's like I just didn't care. Mm. And I was like, oh, whatever. Like, I can do what I want. It's my own life, blah, 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 blah. And it wasn't until I met my partner that I went now. Even probably, t- even two years into a relationship, I probably still would have been a bit wild. But if it wasn't for him, I'd have probably never calmed down. He definitely calmed me down a lot, like. And I, you know, I had Stacey on, and we talked about um, bipolar disorder, and 
it's it's like it's a literal mind fuck. Like it's literally, you know, for for your little life, you've been through so much. <laughs> then at the same time, so it is. It's pretty scary for in in your head at that at that moment. I can imagine with all those things going on. No wonder you were flying off the handle. Yeah, but it's not like back then. I wouldn't have even been feeling sorry for myself. I wouldn't have been like I have. Like to be honest with you, I completely forgot. I was diagnosed with the BPD. It was actually my best friend that reminded me a couple of years ago. She was like, because I would have fallen out with friends a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and my best friend in particular was like, do you remember like your mom getting on to me and telling me you had this? And I was like, no. So then I had to like go back to my mom. Like, yeah, you were and blah, blah, blah. It was all just so it's not like I, I knew I had this growing up and remembered it. It was just anything that was wrong with me. I just pushed to the back of my mind and just went down and lived. Like I thought any other teenager did, like, and you weren't medicated, were you not for the BPD? No, um. Well, I've I've been on antidepressants for a couple of years now, um. But they'd be like just for mood, like mm. it wasn't. I've never actually been on medication for that mm. specific thing, like. Just talking to you, I can feel it in you. I can, I can, I can feel it in you. Like, like it's, it's coming off yet. Like, so it, it must be just tough. It must be so tough. Can be, but yeah, you just have to. Like, it's only when I got the cancer diagnosis and I was in St. Luke's and I was looking around and I was like, I could be so much worse off. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I was seeing children, which absolutely, like, there's, there was a ch- child part in the hospital, and I used to have to put my head down or nearly close my eyes walking by it. Like, it was just. It's disgusting to see that things like that can happen to little kids. So tell me, take it back. What happened with cancer diagnosis and when did it happen? So I was diagnosed with the cancer in July 2022. Um, I was trying to get pregnant for years. When I say for years, so I'm with my partner eight years now. And I've since I've, like, since I can remember, I've wanted to be a mammy. Like, I have my nieces and stuff and I just idolised them all. So I've always wanted to be a mammy. And then when I got with my partner... Um, and I knew that we were going to be together kind of forever type thing I was like right well let's have a baby or whatever and it just wasn't happening for me and I was saying it's a bit weird so with, obviously with the cystic fibrosis and everything else that was wrong with me I was like well maybe there's an issue so I went and I got all the tests to, to check that my tubes weren't blocked and you know when they put the dye and stuff in and I was getting regular smear tests everything was fine now when I say regular I was getting smears every six months Everything was fine. Then I started, I used to suffer really, really badly with, with pains from my periods. Like, So then I went to a fertility specialist down in Nice and she did bloods on me. And she was saying that my CA12, whatever that blood is, was a bit high. So she was like, if you, I was after, before that, sorry, I was after having a scan in, you know, the Aphidia Clinic in Norwood yeah. of my cervix and my pelvis and stuff and that came back all clear why did you have that done because again i wasn't getting pregnant and i just wanted to take everything off the list and um, so i was on to the rotunda my own doctor just to get every single test done and did you do this off your own back just yeah. because you, you weren't getting pregnant yeah okay. yeah and every doctor was telling me like everything is fine like it will happen when it's supposed to happen or whatever so that scan came back in the video as all clear then when I went to the fertility specialist, she said to me, the CA12 either means there's something wrong or you could have endometriosis. So because we had the clear video scan, she said it must be endometriosis. So I was waiting to go and get a laparoscopy then. 
But in the meantime, I had a smear in the kiln and they did a biopsy. And when I was waiting to get a a phone call from the rotunda to go in for the laparoscopy, I got a phone call um, from the kiln. And I'll never forget, I was in work at the time and I had a missed call and I listened to the voicemail and it was just, she was just like, it's the nurse from the kiln, if you can give me a call back. And because I've been in now a hospital my whole life, I know their tone. I know when something was wrong. So I rang her back and I was like, it's Amy. And she was like, we're going to just need you to come in and give you your results. Whereas normally I would have just got letters. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, what is it? And she's like, look, I need you to just come in. And I, I asked her out straight, I said, is it cancer? And she said to me, look, I can't say much to you, but I also can't lie. She said, we have found cancer. So that was on a Monday and I had to wait until the Wednesday to see the doctor then. Um, which was just mad. It was just, it didn't even feel real, like... I remember just leaving work and ringing my sister, sobbing like. But then it's like I sobbed for an hour or so, and then it's kind of like I just went numb. And then I just got on with it then, you know what I mean? And then I want to just bring something in, because I know, and usually, as I said, I said to you, it started as I don't like getting information in. But, and we'll come back to this. You're doing all this without your mum. Yeah. So tell me about that. So I'm probably going to get upset because for some okay. reason I just can't talk about my mum. That's okay. Um, yeah, my mum was just like everything to me. <sighs> I always do this. I don't know why. Take, but you know what? Just take your time. Yeah. Um, so my mum was obviously my carer growing up. like, And I know people think carers where they batch it and bait or whatever. But sometimes she actually would. Mm. But my mum did absolutely everything for me down to like mashing my dinners up like a baby and even I was 27 when she died so even up until then like she used to come into me if I was having a bath to wash my hair like so I was proper babies by my mum she always made sure I had my medicine she always ordered them if they were running low she was just always on my back but in a in a good way like she would never let let me get sick or anything like that and she always knew how important having a baby was to me Um. So then when I got that news, it was just the only person I wanted was my mum. Mm. Now, obviously, my dad's absolutely amazing as well. Mm. But because it was my cervix and to do with, like, a women's issues, I didn't feel like I could go that much into detail mm. with my dad, whereas my mum, I would have said anything to, you know what I mean? Paul, would you throw t- a tissue down or just down, just in case I need it? <laughs> um, can I ask what happened to your mum? She had a heart attack. Suddenly, she wasn't sick or anything. Sorry, she had had... She had had pains in her chest a couple of weeks beforehand and the doctors in Bowman put it down to a panic attack. And then it happened again a couple of weeks later when she was after coming back from Spain. So they put in two stents. Um, that was in, I think that was at the start of December. And then they said to come back after Christmas, they put another two in. And on the 20th of December, I was actually on a walk night out in the cock and bull. And yeah, she just dropped it. At a heart attack. How old was she? She was 65. God. Mm. You get the phone call? Yeah, so my cousin came down and picked me up or whatever um, and brought me up to the hospital, yeah. It was just... And obviously I had been drinking, so... I think everything was either heightened or not as heightened because I, I don't know what way. I can barely remember, to be honest. It's a bit of a blur. But I just remember I got walked, going into the room. Um, I think my dad actually came out and told me. And I remember walking into the room and just seeing her lying there. And it was just... 
I just could even now I still can't believe it. Like it's just insane. Because my mum looked after my granddad for years and he only died in the August. Oh god. And then it's, she died like three months later. And it's a question that, you know, Natalie and I had discussed quite a lot. Like, and she was like, "Did you do you know what song your ma wants? Do you know what song your dad wants? Do you know like what hymns they want? Do you know where they want to be buried? Do you know what?" And I was like, "No, I don't know any of that." And she was like, "You people need to have those conversations because mm. you're going to say, and your mum or your dad and your brothers and sisters going to say, I give her the best everything. You're going to give her the best for everything, and but that's probably not what she wants, or it could yeah. be exactly what she wants." Yeah. So what ta- what was that time like for you? Um, my mum was lo- honest to God. She was loved. I'm not being biased. She was loved by absolutely everyone. My mum would. She'd never put herself before anybody else. She was had a heart of absolute gold. So, like the turnout she got for her funeral was absolutely amazing. It was like a concert nearly. It was just. It was amazing. Um. But we brought her home for for two nights, and we all stayed downstairs where. And obviously, I won't say it was a good time, but like we all had sleeping bags and we had a bit of a giggle. And one thing that always sticks with me is I had a little dog at the time. She was a Bichon. And my mum would be like, get out, puppy. And, you know, given... I'd say she hated the dog. She always didn't hate the dog, <laughs> but it used to just be under her feet all the time. Mm. And the dog used to, like, scare up her if she's seen me, mum, or whatever. But when we brought her home, the dog just sat behind her, coughing the whole time, which I thought was mad, like... Well, yeah, we all, we had her there for two nights and then she was in the funeral home and we had her at the church in Bowmount and then up to Dardistown and she got cremated then. So, yeah, we all have little, so we have the main urn. Yeah. And then we all got four little individual urns and good. little ones that we have each. How's your dad? Lost. Mm. Um, my dad's very, he's a typical man's man, like he... He wouldn't like to show his emotions or whatever, but you, you can tell he's lost. Like, um, he, he's the best as well, but you can tell that, that he struggles. Like, whatever, I just like I don't blame him. Everyone does, but you can tell it's it's not easy, you know. And I do. I see a neighbour of ours as well passed. It was cancer actually? She passed, and um, I seen her husband the other day in Northside coming out of Northside, and my heart just fell like. And I don't think my heart would fall as much for a woman. No, well, I'm like that as well. I can't even watch an old man crossing the road. Mm-hmm. I'd be like sobbing. I'd be like, oh God, look at that. Boy. And then I'd be like, he's, for all I know, he's going home to a wife and all his children. But for some reason, my heart breaks. I just can't handle old men. They make me really upset. Yeah, and I know, and I wouldn't mind. Your dad's probably not old. And even like this neighbour is not old, you know, not like as in he's my man dad's age. Well, no, yeah. he's actually a lot younger than my man dad. Um, but it's just men just break your heart when it comes to that situation. Yeah. So it's just really hard. So then how long after your ma passes, then your man passes, do you get the diagnosis? So my man died in December 2019 and I got the diagnosis in July 22. Okay. So you go into the hospital and tell me what happens. When I got the cancer diagnosis. Mm. So it was a bit... Of a, of a mind fuck to be honest so I went into the comb and the doctor had like a, a look at me like a visual look at me and he was like well like nothing I can't see anything he said so to me it's microscopic um it'll probably just be a case of lasering it off and then I was kind of relieved because I was like right that's obviously what the problem is mm. that's why I'm not getting pregnant so I was like brilliant I found an issue 
I'm not mad, like there is something there. They'll laser it off and maybe in a few months I'll have a baby. So I was kind of happy then with it because I was like, brilliant. So then I went and got a PET scan and the MRI in the Mar. I think I had to wait maybe two or three weeks. Yeah, I, I think now, I'm not 100% sure, but it was definitely over a week anyway. And I remember my sister saying to me, like, I'll come in with you for your results. And I said, well, no, there's no need because they're just going to tell me it's microscopic. Like, I don't need you there for that. Like, mm-hmm. they're just going to tell me that. And she just kept that, like, not at me, but she kept saying, just let me come with you. So I was like, no, really, whatever. Like, and thank God she did because when I went in, again, I was prepared for him to say this. So when I went in, he just said to me, can I ask you what you think you have? And I said, well, I know there's cancer there, but I think it's microscopic and it can probably be lasered off. He said, look, he said, it's not microscopic. He said, it is stage three. And we have a four centimeter tumor in your cervix. And even at that, like he was saying all this to me and I was still like sitting there, not bother. My sister, I could feel her squeezing my hand and getting upset or whatever. And um, my first question then, he was going through everything with me, he was saying the word chemo and radiation. And I was just nodding and I just said, what about kids? And he said, unfortunately, you will lose your fertility. And that's when I broke. Um, I just I, I just couldn't believe it, like, do you know what I mean? So I was like, is there nothing that can be done? Can you not do that? And he was like, unfortunately not, it's too dangerous to go in transvaginally or whatever. He said, you could rupture the tumour, you could spread it. And I didn't care. I was like, well, like, I want, I don't care. Like, I'll take that risk. He wouldn't let me. Um, so I was like... But, but, but like where does that leave me and in my in my mind I was like I don't want to go through treatment and put myself through hell if I'm never going to get any light at the end of the tunnel so like I don't want to live a life now with, without kids like I've, I was put on the stage to be a mummy you know what I mean and I feel like I've already waited long enough I'm the only one out of all my friends that doesn't have a baby and it's just I'd be the one that I would have thought would be the first to have a baby so when he said that to me, I was just like, well, I'm not doing treatment then. Mm-hmm. And then obviously, like, family members were saying, oh, you can always adopt and it's not worth it and blah, blah, And I was like, you don't understand. Not only do you all have kids, but you're men and you're not in my situation. I was like, there's no life for me. I don't want to put myself to torture to live a life without kids. So then when I got referred to St. Luke's in Macar, my doctor was a... Why, why do you think, like, why, why, where does... Where does the want for children come from like where like you know some people they go well like I'll do anything to live yeah with you it was well I don't want to live unless I think it came from as I said I really did have an amazing childhood mm. I was always on holidays I I never wanted for nothing like I was probably a bit maybe because of my illnesses as well mm. I was probably spoiled like but me and my mum had the most amazing relationship ever like we like We'd kill each other as well. Like, we'd have rows. I'd be my bitch self or whatever. But we also just had the most amazing relationship. And I think that's what makes me... I just want to have that bond. And it's not even so I can say, oh, I have a baby now. It's... I think into the future, like, when I'm older, I don't want to be on my own. I want to have someone to share things with. I want to have a grandchild. I want to... Is it love? You want that love? It's love and the fear of being alone like I hate my own company absolutely hate it and I hate being on my own I'm very family orientated like I stalk my family so I'm very very family orientated and I'm happiest when I'm with my family so the the thought of 
well, if my sister's moved on, my whole family and brothers with theirs, it just leaves me and, and myself and my dog. <laughs> but it's just not something that I ever imagined would ever happen to me. And it's just, I could never look forward and say, right, well, maybe I'll be okay if I really don't see a future without, I can't see me wanting to have a future without a child. You know, so that's just the way I see things. And I know some people would be like, cop on, like, and whatever, but that's just their business. my outlook on it. Yeah, how business. I've always felt. And yeah, I just can't see a future without them. So, so take it back then for me. You, he's, and in a way, you know, he, he is trying to just save your life and that's all he wanted to do is save your life. Um, and going through, like, what size? What, four centimetres? Four like, centimetres, like yeah. I think, yeah, like, I'm, listen, I'm hopeless. Yes, yeah, so am I. But um, it was big enough, mm. apparently. But he said, the thing that really got under my skin is he said, it's probably grown about a year and a half. So I was missed. Like, I, as I said, I could understand if I was the type of person. Like, I have friends out there with kids that have never had a smear. Mm. But I was always on top of my gynecological health, you know what I mean? Always. And if it kind of scares me because if I hadn't I've been trying to get pregnant, would they have never found it? Mm. Would it have gotten that bad that I was stage four and I couldn't go back then? So it's really, really scary. And then a lot of me was so pissed off because I was like, well, you're after, not him in particular, mm. but the health in Dublin, like mm. I'm after... Lewis and everything because yous weren't on top of things. Mm-hmm. So then it was a lot of anger and whatever, but I got referred down to St. Luke's Hospital and my doctor for radiation was a woman. And I just remember sitting there with her sobbing, saying, like, it's all I want. Like, is there nothing you can do for me? And again, she was like, well, look, he was right. He was, this is going to happen. But she was obviously that bit more understanding. Sympathetic. Um, so she went back to him mm-hmm. and she came back to me. She said, right, I'm after being able to get you. I think it was like 10 days worth of IVF, she said. But they can't prolong your treatment any longer. And you only have this one chance. So I was a bit happier with that. I was like, well, even if I don't get anything from it, at least I'll know. I tried. So was the IVF going to be before or after your treatment? Before. I before. wasn't going through any treatment until... I was allowed to try IVF. I refused to do treatments until I got IVF. Um, so did people want to kill you, like your yeah. family? No, like they did, but again, like they they knew. So obviously, my brothers would have been only not only looking out for me. They know, but they would have just my their main concern was me, like which mm-hmm. I totally understand. And again, they're not women, so they wouldn't know mm-hmm. the and they all have kids. They wouldn't know the the urge of wanting to have a baby or whatever. So they were like, don't be so stupid. Like, you can adopt down the line and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, look, it's, it's my decision. Like, I I want to try it. I'll feel, but if I don't get anything from it, so be it. But I want to try. So I did, I think, 10 days of IVF, the injections. It was horrific, the pains. and Tell me about the process, because we haven't spoke about IVF since Root and yeah. you're now in contact with Root and yeah. this is what I just think about the podcast is so amazing um, and I that's why I love talking to people like you and everyone else because you've been you're now in touch with Root and um, not only that I actually got my hair blow dried today by the Root Kate Root oh yeah very good so it was actually so funny because <laughs> I've never been there before yeah and I went in and she was saying how are you and I was like oh, I'm a bit nervous and going on this and she was like oh my god 
we were on that and I was like that's so bizarre and her sister Carla is my age yeah yeah so I was like that it's just so weird the way the world works like it really is that's that's actually a mad story so tell me then about IVF like how you're going through all of this like crazy emotions you people are screaming at you for telling you need treatment and you're not getting the treatment then what are you pumping into your body then and i don't mean it like that anyone who's going through ivf i don't mean like what you're yeah pumping, but what? you just mean what's yeah, involved what's, mm. so i went to marion fertility clinic um it's over the south side in obviously marion square um and they what they do is they assess they do your bloods and they assess your like your ovaries and stuff to see so i got all that done and then i think they give you like two different types of injections they need to take one in the morning and one in the evening now as I said like I, I wouldn't be 100% because it's all a bit of a blur mm. but I just remember taking the injection because so, I'm diabetic the injections didn't bother me like I was literally mm. just doing more of but I just remember getting so bloated like I nearly felt pregnant and I like my pains were doubled I'd have quite a high pain threshold mm. but my pains like were I was doubled over and I was like this is mental um, so I was doing them but I only had like and then you were going in every say second or two a day to see was their follicles growing and were they getting any bigger and such so I ended up getting after that then I ended up having to have a laparoscopy in Hollis Street because as I said they couldn't take them out transvaginally so I had a laparoscopy and they got 13 eggs now I didn't think they'd get any because mm-hmm. I was like no my look now they're not going to get any do you know what mm-hmm. I mean I was totally prepared for the the loss of that, like, but when I woke up, she was like, "You got thirteen eggs and blah blah blah." So then you have to wait a couple of days and see how how many of them then grow or mm. keep fertilizing. So I think I got down to like ten, and then I turned them into embryos. So I have five embryos now, Amazing. and they're frozen. Right. But one when, when I woke up from my laparoscopy in Hollis Street, the the doctor said to me, "Like, do you mind if we use you?" In a case study, she said, because we've never had this. Like she said, mostly when people are given a diagnosis or advice from the doctor, they they follow through with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember even my sister saying at one point in in one of my appointments when they were saying like people normally just follow her. My sister was like, you don't know Amy. Mm-hmm. So when she said that, I was like, well, obviously I'm after doing something that nobody else is doing. Like, mm-hmm. and then I was thinking, imagine I had to just let that go, like. And do you know with the Roach sisters, Carla had she had to because she was really she. I'm not negating your sickness to, to yeah no, um, uh, but she had no choice. Like she had to go for it. And when we were sitting around the table with the girls and their mom as well, like and you know their mom was like, no, she was just getting better because like she'd have a baby for her tomorrow. Like she'll give her her eggs, and, she, and I was like, isn't that just so amazing? Yeah, like that she was like, oh no, she'll start for her. It's grand. Like yeah. and you know Gina had the whole thing all mapped out like yeah. do you know what I mean yeah no 100%, even our sister even said that to me today she was like I do for having a heartbeat mm. and don't get me wrong like there is a lot of people have like a lot of my family members have said if I could I would um, but as I said I'm one of the youngest like mm. so some of my family members are too old or mm. they have their own issues you know what I mean and then again I'd also be afraid of to would. use family in case we fell out or mm. You know what I mean? It's just and because it's not legal over here either. Yeah. Like and you wouldn't be on the birthday, so I'd have no rights. So mm. I just as much as it would be totally much better and just something that I can't mm. it's just won't work for me, unfortunately. So you have five embryos. Yeah. 
That's amazing. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. And we're going to put them to good use, yeah? Yeah. With the help Hopefully. of... With, when you know what you are, and I said that to you earlier when I asked you um, how your GoFundMe, and we can... I don't usually talk about that kind of stuff, but we can talk about that at the end. Um, and when people go over to your page, they'll say that, you know, that will happen for you. And I pray to God, and as I say all the time, that's what I believe, and if ever you don't believe, I don't... That's none of your business and none of my business, <laughs> but I will pray that that happens for you. Um, so, yeah, ha- and then when then are they going, right... Amy, enough is enough treatment. So I had the surgery, the laparoscopy on the Thursday and I was straight in for treatment on the Monday. Because it's mad, my sister-in-law is going through something right now and my ma rang me and she said to me, uh, do you know, she said, no, my sister-in-law's past kids, but she said, you know, you can't have kids when you do. Is it the chemo or is it the radiation or is it both? From what I understand, it's the radiation. Mm. Um, so my cervical, couldn't hold a baby mm. now. Mm. Um, and then obviously I'm now in the menopause, yeah. full-blown menopause. Yeah. So I obviously have that as well. But I think the radiation is what pushes you through it. Yeah, because that's what my mum's my mom like. I'm 70 years of age and I never knew that if you get cancer and you have to have treatment, yeah. you become infertile. Yeah. So then you start your treatment and tell me about your treatment. It was just so done. Like, I remember having... A whinge in the taxi, so um, a taxi would collect me every day because it was over in Rackgar. Okay. I live in Beaumont, so a taxi would Why collect me. There? I don't know. I don't think they had the correct machines in Beaumont. Mm, but you know what? Raging. I'm I'm really glad I went to Luke's because mm. it was like having a little family over there. They were absolutely amazing. 
Um, so I'd have like the regular taxi fellas that would come over and collect me and you'd be in the car for about an hour chatting away but I'll never forget the first day I went in and I was taking pictures kind of on every week because I wanted to do a collage at the end as in to say like how I got on and mm. so every week I'd take a picture and I remember taking a picture on my first week and sending it into the family group and I just sobbed because I was like my mum's not here I can't believe this is actually happening to me like I rarely got upset like I, I really it's like the cancer didn't phase me but even to this day like I can talk about the cancer not about her but my mum it's like I'm still too heartbroken about my mum to process that now it's, do you know why? Because it's happening to you. Yeah. Cancer's happening to yeah. you. Yeah, I you don't can know. But, um, can I ask you about your, sorry to interrupt you, yeah. about your dad when you have to tell your dad that you have cancer? Oh, it was, so I obviously, my sister was the first person I rang um, and I drove down to her and then she had gotten on to my other brothers in, in the meantime and we all met together at my sister's house and I just remember sitting there crying going, I can't tell that, like I can't. So my dad's always been very overprotective, like he'd be, he'd be strict, but in it, like in a, like in a good way, like he, mm. just a normal parent, like he wouldn't, like if you were out a certain time, he'd be texting you, where are you, mm. and blah, 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 so since my mum died then, I feel like he had to double up on it, and he was more worried about me than ever then, mm. and I obviously took my mum's set so hard, so um, it was just something that I was so afraid to tell him, because I didn't want to, I was afraid it might kill him. I was like, what, what if he has a heart attack or what if he takes it so badly? So um, my dad was out doing a bit of work at the time. So me and my brothers and my sister were sitting there and I was like, I can't tell him, like, I can't. Like, I was like, why don't we wait and, until I get my proper diagnosis? And then I was like, no, then it wouldn't be fair. I said, if he knew that I knew this length of time, I said he'd go mad. So I drove up to him with my sister and I just went in and I just said, Dad, I need to talk to you. And he was in the middle of working, and my dad's were like, not hot headed, but he's just like, if he's working, he's like, what's like, what yeah, what yeah. need? Yeah. And I was like, Dad, and he was like, what is it? And I just said, um, I was like, don't panic, like, I'm fine, 100%. I said, but I got a phone call, and I have cervical cancer, and I said, I don't know what it, what it is yet, or whatever. I said, but that's where I am. And he just kind of went, oh, and like, it's kind of like he, he thought about it for a minute or two. And he was like, right, okay. He's like, right, okay. No, we'll, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. And I was like, we will be fine. We're going to get treatment. We'll be fine, 100%. Mm. Um, and then he kind of went back. I think he was painting or something. He kind of went back to painting. And then, like, about two hours later, he came home. He's like, I just couldn't focus. Mm. Um, and then he started asking me more questions. And I obviously didn't want him to come to any appointments with me because it was, it was it, you know what I mean? And I was yeah. just like, I don't want mm. my dad here and all that. So um, he'd always be like, do you want me to come? And I'd be like, no, it's fine. And my sister did everything with me. But um, yeah, it was really hard on him. And then, yeah, I could just see, like, he missed my mum just as much as I did yeah. at that stage. Because mm. he could have talked out. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Or he would have said, like, what's going on, Anne? You know what yeah. I mean? He wouldn't have. Or you deal with that, you know what I mean? Yeah, it would have been yeah, like, yeah. you know the ins and outs. Like, yeah. what does that mean? Yeah. And all this. Yeah. Whereas I had known. And then he was also, I'd say, trying to be there for me mm. but not knowing what to say and then as I said my dad's a real man's man doesn't mm. like showing his feelings or emotions or whatever so he was obviously trying to be strong for me or whatever but I have to say he was amazing throughout the whole thing I'd say it was so hard on him though because mm. I'm his, like I'm his baby like you know what I mean I'm the youngest so mm. but I'd say it was so hard on him tell me then about your treatment you're having treatment and 
your first treatment was tough, yeah? Yeah, it, it, it wasn't. So I had radiation Monday to Friday for six mm. weeks, every single day. And then I only had chemo once a week. So unlike Carla, my treatment wouldn't, wouldn't have been as strong as hers. Mm. So I didn't thankfully lose my hair or anything. And I was laughing when I was listening to her pod because she was saying, the first thing she thought was, am I going to lose my hair? Mm. That's the first thing I thought on top of the baby. I was saying, oh my God, I'm going to lose my hair. What am I going to do? Like, But it's mad the way these like insignificant things pop into your head. I think it's because we were so young. like. Mm. But um, I was told I wouldn't lose my hair, which I was obviously a bit relieved to. Well, yeah, like, I actually found the radiation harder because you were going an hour in in a taxi at 7 o'clock in the morning. You were waiting around, you were jumping up on the table, getting your radiation, straight back into a taxi and home. Whereas with chemo, you'd go over early in the morning and they'd put you in a chair or a bed and you were able to just chill out all day. Mm. So it wasn't on the go constantly. Mm. So the radiation I definitely found harder. And, yeah, as the weeks went on, I... Could see it even in my pictures that I was taking. Mm. I was getting paler and I was looking sicker and, um, yeah, like it, it was it was really hard. But then, as the weeks were going on, and I was doing them, I was saying to myself, imagine this didn't go, because when you go into Luke's, people come in, they might come in with cervical, but they only believe them with breast cancer or like it can spread. So I was like, imagine it spread, and I just never gave myself a chance to say. You're going to be okay. I was always like, what if it's spread? What if this doesn't help? What if it gets worse? And so I was just, my mind was always go, go, go. Like, And was it just because it was, this needs to work because I, I want a kid. I want a baby. I want a baby. Or in the moment where you're like, do you know what? I just want to live. I have to say, now I know it's going to sound very morbid and stuff. I would wanted to live more for my family and for the future of having kids. Whereas if I had a sat there and actually said to myself, Ray, you're not going to have kids. When you come out of all this, nothing is going to change for you. Like there, there was certain days where I'd be in treatment or I'd be in the taxi on the way over and I'd be trying to battle with myself about it. I was trying to not be afraid. I was thinking, right, well, you'll see your mum and... So there was certain days where I was like, if it doesn't work, I'll leave. I won't do, I, w- I wasn't going to do any more treatment. I had said that. I said I wouldn't go through treatment again. And mine wasn't even that bad, like. But there was certain days where I was like, right, I'd be okay if I went. You know what I mean? But then, as I said, I have four nieces and two nephews, but my nieces absolutely idolise me. And they're the only thing that that keeps me going, do you know what I mean? So Do you think it, it could have been your PPD, your BPT as well? Yeah, like, I don't know. As I said, I like I thought I was going to have a nervous breakdown. Like, I thought I'd be the type of person that if I got that news, I remember I followed Carly Mahadi and everything mm. and another girl that I followed, I was saying, if I, that ever happened to me, I, I like, I'd die. Mm. I'd go off the wall, I couldn't handle it. And then when it happened to me, I actually handled it very, very well. Like, people were saying to me, you're so strong. I didn't even necessarily feel strong. I just felt numb. Mm. I just felt like I was having an outer body experience. I was like, this cannot be happening to me. Um, So it's like, throughout the whole thing, I just went through it with, like, blinkers on. I just said, get to the end. And then, see, I feel like it's only now affecting me. Mm. Now that I'm going through the menopause and now that I have to come up with all this money and... I feel like now my mental health has really taken a, a, a dip. 
But during treatment, I was actually okay. Like, and I was, I can never sit still, ever. I always either have to be pottering around the shops or up with my sister or up with my brothers or hanging around with my nieces. I have to be doing something at mm. all times. So my dad used to say, you don't give yourself a minute. You'd have a nap or whatever. Mm. But I couldn't. The, the odd day, if I was absolutely wiped, I'd have a nap, but it would kill me, like. Mm. So, yeah, I just never gave myself a minute to sit and think. And then how many rounds of treatment did you have? And then what did they say to you after that? So I had radiation every single day except for weekends for six weeks. So Monday to Friday for six weeks. And then I had six rounds of chemo once a week. Then I had to do brachytherapy. Okay, what's that? I had to do three of them. It's where you get an epidural in your back. Okay. And the best way of describing it is you get the epidural and you go under. It's like an operation, but they use metal rods and they attack the tumour directly. So that's why I, like, I, a bit dark humour, like, I used to say, oh, wouldn't, wouldn't you know I have the epidural, but, you know, kids, you know, I used mm-hmm. to, that's how I deal with things, like, I joke around and whatever, but I think that's how I got through things, and with a smile, like, but, yeah, epidurals, I was having, I had to get, like, three different epidurals, and. And they go in? Yeah, go in with metal rods and attacks humour, yeah. So I used to be in absolute agony when I woke up then. What's that called? Bracky? Bracky therapy. I've never I think heard there's that. like a, a bigger word to it, mm. but Bracky is the name of it, yeah. God. So then, did it work? Yeah. Okay. So, um, I think it was maybe seven or eight weeks after I finished treatment, I had to go back and get on my scan. So before that, did you finish your treatment and then what are they saying to you? They're just like, look, hopefully it's, it's shrunk it, if mm. not gone. And they did tell me at the start, I know, as I said, I'm not an expert, but I know some cancers are treatable and some of them are curable. Mm. So they had said to me their intention was to cure it, which is obviously what we all want. So they were saying, we think we think it's going to work. But they obviously can't promise me anything. Um, but the doctor did do, I asked them to do an MRI. In the meantime, I had found another little, like, when they did my MRI, another little bit of my chest lit up, which they thought might have been cancer, and it would have changed my whole situation. But it ended up just being, they don't know actually what it was. They said it could have been like a, a trauma to there when I was younger, or else it could have been to do with my cystic fibrosis. Who knows? Because the week I was diagnosed with cancer, I got COVID. So it could have been just something from that, like, mm. I don't know. But So that was that was gone. So I just, they said they, when they were doing the follow-up on this, they obviously seeing the, my other cancer in it and she said I had shrunk so before I had even finished I knew I had shrunk mm. but then I obviously had to wait and find out if I had gone or if I had spread or, so I only got the all clear then in February this year? just February just gone Jesus Christ yeah. and what's that feel like? again like it's amazing again but like it's so weird to think it wasn't like oh my god thank god it's gone my whole thing was still, yeah, but I'm still not having kids. You know what I mean? Mm. My outcome is still the same. Like, I know, brilliant, it's gone, thank God. But I'm in no better position than I was before I got the cancer. Like, if anything, I'm worse now because now I know I can't have them. So now my mind is on overdrive thinking. Yeah, but don't, you don't, yeah. you can't have them because you have the embryos. Yeah. You have the embryos. And then do they explain to you then, right, you can start, you can try for... The surrogacy, you can try for this, you can try for that, you're going to go through menopause, you're going to watch it, or are you having the conversation with them about 
the I the not the IVF the surrogacy and all that. You haven't that conversation with Doctor Arnold. No, that's a completely separate thing. No, so my whole thing was like I was still kind of hopeful, I suppose, even at the end of my treatment. I was like, so like, is my save? I just thought my cervix wouldn't be as damaged or mm. whatever. I thought if I fought the odds with the eggs, maybe I can fight the odds and carry. Mm. So when I said that to him, she was like, look, no, like you're now in menopause and you wouldn't have the hormones and your cervix wouldn't handle it and stuff. Um, they did have like a menopause talk me. Mm. But again, I just went, like, I just went blank for all of that. All I've ever seen was tunnel vision towards, towards baby. So mm. it was only actually this week on the phone I rang and I was like, I'm struggling. Like I am, I'm struggling with my mental health. I'm struggling with the hot flushes and it's just not doing me any well. She was like, well, I think you need to come in and speak to, speak to the nurse. She said, because obviously when you're getting so much information at mm. once, you're just worried about your cancer. She's like, so now we need to go through the menopause with you and why you can't carry and all that. So. That's an appointment I'm gonna to have to attend within the next couple of weeks, mm. but um, I think a little bit, a little bit of me just hoped that maybe I could still carry. Mm. So I think I'm still grieving in a way that mm. look, I can't. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So yeah, that's when I got on to Ruth then. So tell me then, what like, when how like how do you know how much money you need? How do you know this? How do you know like what did you start doing? Then did you throw yourself into that? The first thing I did was. A little, so I had listened to your pod before I even got diagnosed right. with cancer. Right. And I remember thinking, God, I, I, God love her going down that route, like, and blah, blah, blah. And I've always said, and I would in a heartbeat, um, if I could, if I was in the situation to be a surrogate for someone, mm. I'd love to. Now, I'd probably find it hard mm. giving up the baby, but especially now that I know mm. what it is, like, I'd, I'd do it for someone in a heartbeat if I could and mm. if it was legal and blah, blah, blah. I remember listening to the back on that poor woman and thank God I never have to go through that. And then when I went through it all and when I was doing treatments and stuff, I listened back over a lot of your pods and I listened to that one. And I was like, look, I'm just going to give it a, a go of mailing her on Instagram. Mm. And I was like, I really hope you don't mind. I listened to you on Rebecca's podcast and this is my situation. So I didn't say, what did you do? I was like, this is my situation. If you don't mind... Mm. Would you mind, like, giving me any information you have at all? So she wrote back, and she was so lovely, so helpful. She gave me so much information. She broke it down for me about where she went. She told me her cost. Um, I was even, like, completely probably crossing boundaries, and I was like, do you mind me asking how much? And mm. she was able to tell me her figures and the solicitors and broke it down for me. So then I actually got in contact with the World Centre of Baby myself, and I arranged a Zoom meeting, and... Had my Zoom meeting then, so I had my Zoom meeting on probably about probably about a month ago now, um, and they were in the Ukraine, the World Center Baby were in the Ukraine, and there's obviously all different legislations mm-hmm. in different countries. So in a Ukraine, you have to be married officially, okay, which I'm not, <laughs> and some other countries, she was saying, um. She married some of them you can't use your own embryos like there's all different mm-hmm. rules and stuff but this is the blondness in me so she was saying Georgia would probably be my best option mm-hmm. and I always thought Georgia was in the USA right <laughs> yeah yeah. so my dad is in the background pottering around the house and I'm on this nail meeting and I was like so does that mean that my baby will have a US passport and my dad just went oh. mm-hmm. and I, I was like, what? She was like no no Georgia in 
in Europe. And I was mm. like, I didn't even know that. But now she told me then, like, that my name would be on the birth date then. And she explained to me that I'd have to stay over there for up to two months, waiting on the embassy to give me the baby's passport. And there was just so much covered in it. Like, when she, she told me the price of getting my embryos shipped over and how much it was per transfer. And, yeah, like, when she went through the cost, you know why people say, ah, that's about... 40 grand, 40 mm. grand, you're like, yeah, but what is it really? Like, it really is higher than you'd ever think imaginable. And, like, there's no loans out there. Like, I can't get a mortgage for... Is there no government support? No. No. Not at the minute. Um, Not at the minute, anyway. So I'm in now a WhatsApp group that Ruth put me into mm. with loads of different women, some who have had babies through surrogate, some who are thinking of it, and some who are in the middle of it. Um, And they're obviously fighting over here to get it legalised for whatever but there's nothing and that's what I was saying like it is the cost of a mortgage down payment that you need but there's nothing you can get so like even if that was there that would obviously be helpful Mm. and I obviously can't get a mortgage without having a property so Mm. I'm literally out of options do you know what I mean Um, and I do I feel it's like it deflated me having to put my business up on the internet Mm. and having to let like I came off my personal social Instagram when my mum died. Because I, as I said, with my personality, I was like, I want what they have. Mm. Or if I seen someone pull up, they were pregnant, I'd be actually a human. I'd be like, no. And so my best scenario was taking myself out of it. Mm. So then when I went on to the one I set up for the dog then, mm. I was able to just nose in on the bloggers. and But I didn't actually follow anyone I knew other than like sisters or whatever. Mm. So I was happy in a way that I didn't know what was going on in the world so then I was like right well I'm in a after my cancer I was like I'm happy now I can probably go back on Instagram and I start sharing my story and then when I heard the cost I was like do you know what I've no other options I'm literally and I know it it is it is begging in a way but I've I've known I'd go through hell and high water for to have a child so as much as it is deflating and I'm a bit ashamed to have to do it because obviously I should be able to have my own kids and don't I also don't want to drag my family's name. Mm. But don't ever feel shame. You know I mean? But I just, like I literally don't have any options. I have no way of getting, I'd never get a loan that high, personal loan. Mm. I don't have savings. I don't have my own house. I, I don't have anything, you know what I mean? Mm. So I'm screwed like. So it's just, where do I go from here? And then what is it? So you're going to, you've started to go fund to try and get that up, um, to get the funds to do that. And then you'll have to go to Georgia for that and you'll use your own embryos. Yeah, so. Best case scenario. So say you do, say tomorrow the funds are in your bank, what happens? So I would have to obviously go through all the solicitors, get the documents mm. signed. So I wouldn't actually have to go to Georgia if I didn't want it until mm. hopefully a week or two before the baby's born. So I would get my embryo shipped over um, and then they'd do all that over there. I'd meet the surrogate through Zoom and stuff like that. Um, then they'd do the the transfer. So they said, like, covered in the cost that they gave me, which was 43500 That's just for the surrogate alone. That's without legal fees or whatever. Um, she said I can either transfer one embryo or two under that cost. Mm. So obviously I'm going to try transfer too because she said there is a higher risk of twins but I don't care if they're quadruplets like you know what I mean so 
obviously that that would be my ideal situation um and it also is they broke it down into four payments for me as well so like even if I got en- enough up to cover my first two payments mm-hmm. and got the ball rolling mm. um how long is the process she said minimum 18 months mm. yeah and that's if I had the money to go how old are you now 31 I was 31 in March I've no doubt that you're going to have a baby. And I know, <laughs> but I've no doubt about your determination. Like, you've been through the mill and back again. Like, it's just insane. Like, I can, as I said, I could feel it coming off you. I could feel it coming off your bones. I could feel it coming through your skin. Mm-hmm. I can feel how much yeah. you want to have this baby. Yeah. And I've no doubt with your determination. And, you know, unfortunately, it is asking for help. But I don't think there should be any shame any shame in whatsoever and ask for helpless people on Instagram asking for a coffee yeah. or nothing when you're like asking for help and asking for support so I don't yeah, feel and it's like the amount the generosity I've seen so far is absolutely mm. mind blown like I'm seeing people donating that I would have never thought would have donated mm. the people that I would have probably fell out or been a a weapon two years ago or doing and it's just like oh my god it's only when you get older and you see that people have a heart to go older just like that's incredible like if I won the law tomorrow and I had money to help anyone in that situation I would mm-hmm. it's the hardest thing mm-hmm. it's obviously not the hardest thing in the world to go through but when you want something so much that you're literally willing to risk your life for it mm-hmm. that's what I even said to my partner like my partner would be a very very private person um, in, in all aspects of his life and he was like I don't like not that he didn't agree with it but as I said he's just very private he doesn't want the world on his business and that's fine I don't want the world on my business any more than he does but I, as I said it's my only option and I don't feel like I have a life in me without knowing that I'm going to have a baby mm. you know what I mean I even had a dream a couple of months ago might have even been last year that I was in labour for so, or something in the dream and my mum was beside me and she said to me, you have to name her Maisie now. And the name Maisie was never even something I would have thought about. Mm. But now I'm like, if I have a little girl, I'm going to call her Maisie. Mm. You know what I mean? It's it's just all these weird things that are coming to me that I'm like... You're going to have to protect yourself. You know that, don't you, do Through this oh. journey, you're going to have to... Mm. Like, did they, did they offer counselling? Did they offer anything? Do you, you need to get your... Yeah, so I've been offered counselling like for years, even with mm. the cystic fibrosis and diabetes. And then my mum passed, and mm. so I'm always like Bob and are very good to me as well. Where my team are up there, they're always offering me counselling. But I'm very um, if I don't click with you, mm. and if I don't, I just won't talk to you. Like so, I've had sit downs with mm. with counsellors, and I just wouldn't get. A, I hate this whole. And how does that make you feel? Mm. I'd rather just sit and have a conversation. Mm. And to me, that's counselling. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, so if someone is just normal with me, I feel like I can talk to them. But if they're real serious and real um, like informal about it, I kind of get a turn off. Mm. So we get, like, I, I... Shop around. Yeah. There's 20 no, million them out there. Yeah, no, I definitely will. But you should will. definitely just, you know, because you have a long road ahead of you. Yeah. And the one thing you don't want is for you to get in on yourself. Yeah. The Dublin Live actually posted my mm. story um, and so did the Irish Sun are putting the story mm. as well. As I said, I need to just sh- share it. Mm. The way I see it is if 
61,000 people gave me a euro. Mm. I'd have it, you know what I mean? Mm. And then obviously I have to build up the extra 20 or 30 as well. Like, mm. like I'm by no means sitting back and relaxing and hoping the money will roll in. Like, I, I do deliveries it and, like, I work and, you know what I mean? I'm trying everything I can. Um, but, like, when it went up on Facebook, people were like, how selfish of her to, to want a baby and, you know, all the trolls. But then, like, as my boyfriend was saying, are you prepared for all that? And I was like, well, no, are you ever prepared to be criticised and called all sorts on the internet? But I have to take the bad with the good, like, mm. so for every two or three people that are giving me abuse and slagging me off, there's probably ten of them that are donating and helping me, like. I wouldn't even mind that. Like, yeah. I swear to God, blocka, 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 blocka. I literally now, and I had to learn that, because I... A lot of people, when they meet me, they I have a very different personality to this podcast. This podcast is something different that I do. Um, but in my life, I really don't give a fuck what people think of me. It's the best way to be. Yeah, but I wasn't always like that. And when I started the podcast, I was like, you know, I, I think it was more so protecting the podcast, protecting Paul, protecting my home. Mm-hmm. Me personally, I couldn't give a fuck. Um, but then... So then when people did, did start to troll me, it, it, I didn't, it wasn't an awful lot, Jesus Christ, but when I get some comments, now I just block them. I just yeah. block it. And I just block it out. But just don't take that negativity. And, and that's why I'm saying, and I know someone gave out to me before, they were like, you shouldn't tell people to go to counselling. And I was like, I'm not telling people to go to counselling. I'm just saying that, you know, if you truly need to protect your mind, you need to protect your mind, you need to be strong, you need to get yourself, this is another battle. You've faced fucking so many battles in your little life. Mm. And I don't mean that facetiously because you have, in your, like, come on, the CF, diabetes, your mental health, your man, cancer, infertility. Mm. The only way is up. Hopefully. The only way is up. That's what I, I, I do be saying, messing, I'd be like, just hit me, like, like someone's, like, my file in Bowman Hospital, I'm not messing, it's about that tick. Mm. And I'd be laughing, I'm like, I'm not a straightforward patient. There's just always something. Mm. Like, there's nothing that I, I have a new ailment every single day. Mm. Do you know what I mean? There's always something. Um, but again, I do realise now as I'm getting older, that there's still so many people worse off, like, and I'm... Doesn't matter. I could be worse, I could have, I have the best family and friends mm. around me. I'm a lot more cutthroat in a sense of like years ago with my personality and I've always wanted to be liked by everyone so I'd bend myself backwards in whatever mm. way to please people to be their friends if they fell out with me I'd be sorry 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 so when my mom died and it opened my eyes to who my real friends were and then again when my cancer came it opened my eyes to who my real friends are so now I'm just focusing on the people who have always been there for me mm. and not the people that I've had to chase to be my friends or mm. You know what I mean? To impress me and my friends. Mm. So a lot of lessons have been learned. If you got wiser and older. Definitely. Older and wiser. Definitely. Yeah. So how are you today? Good. Sweating at the minute. The menopause mm. isn't doing me any good. Are you getting treatment for that? They put me, I, ha, I am on HRT. Mm. Um, I'm on the gel and the tablet. But I feel like it's doing absolutely nothing. Do you know there's a great chemist, um, and I'm actually going to get her on, um, Victoria down in Bonnybrook. Do you know where... Is that in Clare Hall? No. Do you know where Aldi is down yeah. in Kulak? Yeah. You know all that strip there? 
Yeah. And was like home focusing. Is it beside Mr. Price? Yeah, right in yeah. that corner. She's brilliant. And I'm going to get her on to the podcast um, at some point just to talk about menopause because I'm 42 and I probably perimenopausal and all that jazz. But there's so many people out there who are and we need to talk about it more and more. Um, but I, I'd even go down to her and have a little chat with her. I know she's going mm. through a little something at the moment now, but um, I think I would. I'd reach out to her. Yeah. And, you know, just to kind of get that. That's one thing that you say, right, I have that in check. And now what's the next thing? And now what's the next thing? Mm. Um, so where can people find you on Instagram? Um, I will tag you, but the page is there. Yeah, so my name is Miss AKX mm. on Instagram. My page is private. Right. Um, when I when I went back on social media and when I was struggling with mm. my mental health, I just kind of did a clear out of mm. everyone that weren't real friends or mm. that I didn't want to see their lavish mm. Instagram life. doesn't bring you joy. Don't fucking yeah, do it. Yeah, exactly. So um, my page is private, mm. but like if I go on, obviously I'm after doing this now, mm. and if I see mutual friends, I'm happy to accept. Mm. But when weirdos just add me in, I'm just like, no. That's <laughs> Whereas before I would have been like, oh yeah, a few followers, yeah, accept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, like I obviously have pictures of my nieces and stuff up yeah, as well. And yeah. Where can they find the GoFundMe page? Um... The link to that is on my page as well. It's mm. on Facebook. It's on Dublin Live. Right. It will be in the Irish Sun within in the next couple of days. Mm-hmm. Um, and as yeah. you said, if 61 people gave you a euro, yeah. you'd be at your goal. Yeah. And you're still very young. You're still very yeah. young. And remember that you're very young. Yeah. Um, but on that note, I think, Amy, we leave it there. Thank you very, very much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for sitting down and sharing your story. And as I said to you, like, just your file is that big and yeah. it'll only get bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. Um, so There's actually just one thing I wanted yeah. to just say on the whole cervical cancer thing. I just want to say, like, to, to girls, young girls, older women, whatever, if you feel something isn't right in your body, get a check straight away. And then get it double checked because you know your own body. And if you feel like something isn't right, just fight till the death till you know. And you can see in black and white that you've the all clear, you know what I mean? Because Cause you t- it took smear after smear after, after smear. smear. Yeah. Mm. And then it took, like, I got let's treatments and everything done. It took a biopsy. It took me having to say, will you biopsy, like, will you biopsy me? Why am I not getting pregnant for them to come to me? So God only knows. Mm. If I haven't, and I know a couple of years ago there was a scandal about people being missed, and mm. people have said to me, "Were you one of them?" I don't know, and to be honest, I like I'm not, mm. I'm not up in the air about it, but like I will say to people to make sure that you get checked, whatever, even if it's a man with mm. health issues, like you just can't always rely mm. on a doctor's force for you need to. Because when I get smeared, I get me letter. I'm like, yeah, yeah it's grand, leave that for another three years. Yeah, do you know what mm. I mean? And it's just, it's just so scary. So especially if you're looking to have a family, you're better off getting the issue sorted as soon as you can. Even if you're 15 and there's a bit of an issue, get it sorted. As you said, your gynecological health is just something we don't talk about. Yeah, and we really show up because I think there's a bit of a stigma to being like embarrassed about it mm. or like saying the word or mm. whatever, but like it's it's natural. Like mm. everyone needs to just... Same with mental health, isn't it? When people say... In mental health, they're like, oh, you're mad, you can take mm. a few tablets or whatever. But it's not, it's just, mm. as the doctor said to me, I was talking about my mental health with a doctor a couple of months ago, and she, I said, do I need to be on these tablets for life? And she said to me, I've, I've got high blood pressure as well. So mm. she said to me, 
how come you didn't ask me do you have to be on your high blood pressure tablets for life and I was like well she's like your mental health is the same she's like why are you embarrassed about having to be an aunt she's like your body just can't cope the way it can't cope with your high blood pressure she's like there's no difference she's like so there's no stigma around high blood pressure tablets so there should be no stigma yeah. around mental health mm. so I think it's just the way we all look at things but mm. if the girls feel like there's something wrong or even if they want to just go I definitely say going smears aren't really worth the course this day and age you mm. know what I mean so true bear off going straight in for a biopsy <laughs> I wish the best of luck Amy thanks so much thanks Mo so we're still live on TikTok. I'm just going to shout for my husband. Um, <laughs> no see, you weren't as well. I know. Just bear in mind that we're still live. You weren't as nervous as no, we thought you were going to no, be. No, it was actually grand. <laughs> I feel like one, as um, Kate was saying, is it Kate or Katie Roach? Katie, yeah. She was saying when you're sitting down for us, all it's a bit nerve wracking. Yeah. But she was saying like you're so easy to chat to that you nearly forget what you're doing. Good, good. So I, I kind of did. I was just like chatting away. Thanks, Emil, everyone who joined us there for that. Um, on Monday, this will be live on Monday. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.